Welcome to Out of Game, a podcast featuring unique segments and discussions about board games, card games, RPGs, gamers, and gamer culture. Please join your hosts, Ryan, Chris, and Tim, as they go out of game. Welcome to episode 55 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. This is Tim. And we are a podcast about board games. Got a 5-5. Five, five. This is a double double odd for you. 5-5 five, five in the 2020. Man, it's a painful number for Ryan. Yeah, no, it no, is. No. 5 and 5 adds up to 10. <laughs> it's fine. But then if you had the 1 and 0, you get 1. <laughs> All right, we are going to be doing a listener's corner. We still have 24 pages of listener questions. Love the listener's corner. Ah, So we're going to plow through some of those. But before we do that, we're going to jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. By the way, people have asked me if you whispering spawn point is pre-recorded. Oh, that's, that's an interesting how on question. point you are with that. Check that it out. It is not. It would be live. Yeah, which is, this is just our skill as yeah. podcasters. All right, Spawn Point. What you guys got? So I want to talk about game language. All right. It's a phrase that I'll admit doesn't exist. I invented it. Yep, just now. But I want to pose this question to you guys. It's about gaming, the different types of gamers there are, the way we communicate, the way we enjoy. Think about love languages, if you've heard of those. Mm-hmm. You've got like the different ways of communicating with your significant other, things that have value and how you get joy. I would assert that the same thing happens in gaming. Okay. And there's different ways to get joy. And I broke it down into three. So please, if you would, tell me if I'm right or wrong or if there's more. Right now, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just making a prediction. Okay. So Ryan's predicting I'm wrong and it's happened before. So you could be correct about that. But here we go. So why do people like playing games? Number one reason, competition, winning, challenging yourself to improve your skills while other people's skills in the game are good and make you better. So you're honing competitive. Yep. That would be number yep. one. Yep. Number two. Clickphoria, okay. opening a new box, learning new rules and concepts, enjoying the new themes and adventures, the smell of a board oh, as, yeah. you, as you open it up, brand new, like the new car smell. That's number two. Mm-hmm. Number three is casually hanging out with friends. You're there more for socializing, talking, and the games are a backdrop to your reason for being there. It's more like hanging out. You don't really care as much about numbers one and two, like the competitive nature or buying a new game as much as the social experience. So it's just something to do while you're hanging out. Yeah. Casual gamers would mostly fall into that category. But I think at one given time, you may be in any one of these three categories. Or it's like a wheel, one of those wheels. I'm in I'm in one and three. Two, not so much. Yeah, you and I are alike in that sense. I'm in I'm in one with tendencies to three. Yes. Like one is my main reason. That's I have the most fun. But number three, I find myself doing often. Ryan is in number two. And if, if it, it doesn't fit for you, then I didn't word it right. Because there's a category for number two where you just you have that new game, right? <laughs> and you want to play it. You want to experience it. And then after you're, you know, play it again, maybe. But if you don't, it's not the end of the world because there's another game yeah. that's new. So I would say Probably. being number two is kind of like being a foodie. You like to try different yeah, kinds yeah. of food, and and you and you get bored with having the same food all the time. French fry. You always need something fresh and new. 
and you want to know what's out there. What what it, what have you not discovered yet? That that's what I like about being a number two. I think I'm two and three, and one is just nah. I don't uh, think I. I gotta imagine most people are in the three category as well. It's just getting together with your friends, being social, yeah, having fun, catching up on things, seeing how people's lives are doing, and you know you're playing the game as well. I think in our group, I would say at least fifty percent of our group is number two, and I would say yeah, but twenty five percent one, twenty five percent three, and then maybe you, some overlap. Well, there's got to be overlap for sure because I think, but I think, I think two. Went, it was the majority. I think the reason the group is staying together as long as it is is because of the social aspect of number three. Yeah, I mean everybody enjoys seeing each other and catching up and seeing how things are going and you know what's going on in life. You know, we actually we actually care what's going on in other people. You know, all of their lives and you know sometimes it's you we're just focusing on the game, playing the game, and other times we're doing the big group game and it's more about you know visiting and you know you know there's still very much a social. But aspect. that's the secondary fun. Okay, so if you're doing primary and secondary, primary and then that's secondary. different. Okay, well that's yeah, there's a difference. So. It's like a, I was gonna say, it's like a. I think everyone, if you put this on a pie chart, everyone has all three slices, but they're at different sizes. I really prefer to think of it as a primary and a secondary. You like could have a no, third, but that's. I don't think I'd have any two. Like, I don't either. If I if I have any bit of two, it's a very small sliver, and it's every time I go get a new X-wing ship. I don't That's agree. I don't agree. I think you're saying that. I think this is groupthink happening. I think that you like playing new games. When but, I when I bring a new game to game night, you are you and Nathan are the two people who are most willing to try it. Maybe a Ross too. But it's it's like I'm not I'm not excited. That's not where he gets his joy yeah. though. That's different. What yeah. you're talking about is different. He he's geared up for game night to start, and he's good with playing it. But he is having fun. I'm pointing to Tim when he's processing the rules, and it's this competition of trying to win and trying to come up with a strategy. Yes. And doing the Matrix thing. But you thrive at that in first plays of games. I do. Yeah, that's true. I do. So do you enjoy that? Or? But it's not because of the click Yeah, I, mean, I, I Yeah, I, I enjoy the new, learning the new thing and finding the Matrix. Yes. So I, I, I like dissecting the games and stuff like that. But the, the click for you portion of it, I, I don't know. That is click for you. That's no, the what, thing. What, what he's describing is number one. Finding the, dissecting the game and understanding it. So yeah, it's like a that's level beyond. different from it's what he's It's a level beyond. Doing. It's like click for you is when you, when you just get the game and you move past the rules, it's more Tim's about you in the game to the strategy. Yes. Yeah. What Tim is doing is he was like going to start beating people in the game with what he just figured out. Whereas click for is, Oh, I get it now. I get the, this. It's like immersive and new and cool. And I, th- I see what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But he's going to win the game. <laughs> it's like all about strategy and competition. And I'm more like Tim. I'm just not as good at it. You're definitely number two. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the game industry stays alive because of number two. Well, yeah, most definitely. I mean, Gen Con is in essence, it's all about the new releases, and that's what everyone is talking about. Yeah, that's what everybody's What's talking new about. coming yeah. out? Kickstarter is all about new stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's pretty common, actually, to have twos. Yeah. Well, I, I find the reason I find this list interesting is because I acknowledge that, especially within our group, and I've sort of made the realization I'm not in that group. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel a little on the outs. Like, I don't get it. Like, I'm there's all this excitement, and I hear what they're talking about, and I see it, and but I don't, it's like there's a secret that I don't know. And I don't think it's anything more than a game type love language. So this could be like, so like Magic the Gathering, which we used to do. We played the same game all the time. Right. So it's like honing your skills in one game. But we would play with new cards. Yeah, but we would get excited when new cards came out. But but you would probably be fine just if we had one game that we really liked and we just played it every game night, you'd probably be okay. Until I got sick of it. Yeah. I just, that's the 
other thing. I don't want to play my game so much that I get sick. I do because then I can move on to the next one. I like to always like I like to play it enough where I still want to play it again, but then I move on. So that that ensures that I'll want to come back to the game later. But how many times do you come back to the game? You don't. You don't. That's the problem because there's so many. There's so much new that I think there's so many games that we've only ever played once, and we probably will only ever play once just because there's something new after that, new after that, and we don't even go back to the old ones. Well, so that's the thing. Like I I'm looking at this as like a long. This is like a long term hobby. So I'm I'm actually thinking out the span of my whole life. You know, there might be games that I've played one time, and if I if I lose interest in the game, I'll just get rid of it. But there are games. A lot of the games that I've only played one time are sitting on my shelf, and I'm I really want to play them again. It's just finding the time to do it. So if I go the span of my whole life, I will play them. I'm not looking in the short term, like over the next two years. Yeah, I'm not going to play all those games again. But I'm. Yeah. It's like I'm curating a collection of games that I'm going to have for my whole life. But that, that's not the real reason, though. That's true. But the real reason is a face-off new game ABC versus the game I just played and I had fun, but I just played it. Uh, game D. Hmm. You're going to choose ABC. It's new, shiny, and exciting because that's your joy. It's not about curating and all that. It's because you have to choose what is more fun right now, and it's the new, it's the shiny new. It's it's different. Yeah. But I think to me, I a lot of people agree game. with you. I think more people agree with you with yeah. that. But there's a very different joy there. There's no right yeah, and wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. just different. Yeah, because me, I pick the game we just played so I can try me a different too. strategy. Right, and plus it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. I don't have to relearn the rules. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you're saying if you're a two, you can't be a one. No, I think it's just you have more you prefer, two. You, 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 prefer, you, you lean towards two. You lean towards two. But you're but saying you there's a primary a and secondary. Right, yeah. so your primary is you like to play new games and stuff like that, and two is, you, you know, you're... Right, but I I've, I feel like I'm in all three because I do like replaying old games and, and getting better at them But that's well. not where the joy, the, the true joy, the reason you have the most fun is number two. But I would say, like, for me, one and three are probably tied for second. Yeah. So that, that means... I would like, say three is probably your second because you don't you don't really get down when you lose and high when you win. Well, you, you enjoy the social and the and whatever your thoughts are of the game and sort of dissecting it that way. Sure, you want to win, mm-hmm. but, I mean, everybody wants to win a little bit. You need to come up with names for these categories. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Good just, question. You're listening to Out of Game, where Ryan brings the gaming knowledge, Tim brings the enthusiasm, and Chris brings the meaningless tangents. My spawn point is about packs, packs Unplugged. Whoa! Packs Unplugged. So I'm going to try to just cram in as much as I can about Packs Unplugged. I'm not going to... We, we didn't do a full episode on this. Let's begin the cramming. So beginning the cramming, I'm the only one that went to Packs Unplugged. Uh, we went this year instead of going to BGGCon. Packs Unplugged is in Philadelphia, and it's in December. So not really the best weather... Who's we? ...to have a convention. Not. So the we would be Jason, who I mentioned last episode mm-hmm. from the Context Free Podcast, and Clifford, who's a long-standing friend of mine from California. We went to Philly. One thing about PAX Unplugged is it's only Friday through Sunday, and it's very much it's it's a lot more similar to Gen Con or Origins than it is to BGG Con. So it's not like Chris's experience at BGG Con, where what you were just mentioning, it's not full of twos. It's actually full of a lot of threes and maybe some, and some. I ones. don't think BGG Con was full of twos. No, no, no. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. There's a library of old games, though. Right, but the people there, like the hardcore. I guess I maybe I'm saying that like really hard 
hardcore gamers that are like the type of people coming to BGGCon are probably the same people who are buying a lot of new games. I could be wrong. I, I think in generally hmm. categorizing them, though, I would say majority of people that attend BGGCon are probably twos. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. You know, I'm pulling this out of thin air. But PAX Unplugged, because it's PAX, so PAX, if, if you're not familiar, is like Penny Arcade. And they have these, they had these big conventions every year, like PAX East, PAX West, which I think traditionally have been more video game focused. So there's a lot of people that just know about Penny Arcade just from pop culture, etc. So when they came out with PAX Unplugged, the Unplugged being this is a board game convention. So a lot of people who just knew about PAX and didn't know anything about board games want go to this convention just for PAX, the PAX component. So my point is that there's a lot of people coming to this convention that are like brand new gamers, which is very strange. So if you go to like the dealer hall, the games there are all almost all gateway games. So like the cool, it was so weird. Like the Cool Stuff Inc. booth, like at Gen Con, that thing is just full of all kinds of games. Yeah, it's packed. Right. It, at PAX Unplugged, there were like shelves and shelves of just Azul. So so if you picture the, the Cool Stuff Inc. you know, booth. Oh yeah. There's like, I don't know, 15 shelves in there. Five of those at PAX Unplugged would be Azul. Uh-huh. And then there'd be a, like a whole shelf of Century. Like that's what it was like. There's a lot of ga- like gamers there, you know, longstanding gamers, but also a lot of new gamers. That, that was my point. So this convention, the crowd is, is a bit different. So the general categories that we usually do, uh, best game I played was Feast for Odin, which is like if you take Caverna and make it bigger. Oh, this sounds like Chris's dream game. Yeah. So sounds like a great idea. So Feast for Odin. I'm not going to go into D. De- I'm just going to roll through these. So worst game played was so it was funny. We all showed up on Thursday, even though the convention started Friday, because we got a Airbnb and the, the idea was just to play games there on Thursday. Sure. The problem was that I couldn't bring any games because I was like flying from California to Philly from like work. So I didn't have games with me. Oh. So the only games we really had were a bag of games that Jason was bringing that he had sold on the virtual flea market. <laughs> so he is basically stuck on Thursday playing all games that he was getting rid of. Um, <laughs> did he have a change of heart on any of them? He did not. Okay. Actually, he, the one upside to this for him, you said, was that he confirmed that he really wanted to get rid of these <laughs> games. Uh, so one of them that we played was a game called The Big Book of Madness, which was like this co-op game. I don't even remember what I didn't like about it, to be honest, but none of us really enjoyed it that much. Uh, so that was the worst game played. Uh, the biggest surprise, so Uwe Rosenberg, designer of Caverna, designer of Feast for Odin, Agricola, there was a game in the hot games area that I didn't, I never even heard of. It's called Nova Luna. So we got to play this game. Uh, the best way I would describe it, if you've played Patchwork, which I know Chris and Tim haven't, uh, Nova Luna is, it takes a lot of the concepts from that, but it's like multiplayer, four player. So very fun game, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. So I mentioned a Kickstarter that I backed Uh-oh. a while ago called Blood on the Clock Tower. I'm not sure if you guys remember this, no. but I made a claim that this could potentially replace Witch Hunt. So it's another social deduction game with all the different characters, etc. But the moderation, the, being the moderator looks easier. There's no player elimination. In fact, in this game, um, when you when you get voted out, you actually stay in the village and you still get to talk to everyone. So you're just you're completely in the game. You just can't vote. So you, after you get voted out, you're like a ghost that's still in the village. You're still communicating with everyone. But when the votes come, you only have one vote for the rest of the game. So you have to like time when you're going to use that vote, like when it would be the, the most critical to use it, which actually at first I thought that sounded great. But if you think about when you have when you're playing like a big game of werewolf or witch hunt, there's the people who are quiet. And but then as the group gets smaller, those people start to open up and it changes like the conversations change a lot. Right. When you get to a smaller group and it kind of right. forces people to talk. Right. When no one's getting eliminated, the same dominant personalities are 
always talking. Yeah, I don't. I don't. When you first said that, I didn't like the idea of them staying yeah. in the game. So, so I'm putting this as my biggest disappointment, just because I'm not sure. There's still a chance I think it could replace Witch Hunt because of the moderator problem with Witch Hunt, but I'm not sure now after playing it. it I mean, it was still fun, uh, but not as like not as great as I How was. How many times did you play? We only played once. Mm-hmm. Anyways, best moment. We played a game called Lords of Vegas, where you're you're basically fighting to take control of, of the cas- casinos, casinos in Vegas. Wow, that sounds like up Chris's alley. That uh-huh. sounds fun. Now, this game I would also say was a surprise because um, I had zero expectations for this game. It's a game that I've never had any interest in, uh, but Jason had played it and and you know asserted that it was a fun game, so we gave it a shot, and it was fun. the The best moment though was I was losing, of course, and the way you show control of casinos like everyone has different colored dice and the casinos are built up of like um like pools of dice essentially so whoever has the most dice in the casino um no whoever has the highest die in the casino has control of it but then you could have like a like a bunch of dice so there's this one um action i think it's called reorg where you make everybody re-roll all their dice and whoever has the highest die becomes in control of that casino which helps you with getting payouts and stuff so i had one die in this massive casino and clifford and jason both have like had tons of dice they each had at least five dice and i had one and i kept initiating re- reorgs of the casino because there was i had no chance of winning so this is like the only chance i could get like big payouts of money so it was kind of funny like the guy with one die is making everyone re-roll all their dice and they're just on the off chance that i could get the highest die die roll and i actually did it not not like every time but there was one time where my one die i rolled a six and i beat everyone in the casino and took control of it for a round and that was like a really fun moment at the at the convention worst moment so during feast for odin there there was a table next to us and i kept smelling something weird oh it's not now, good it's not what you're thinking though like there was no one there so there's there's these these bags of stuff sitting there so just imagine the gen con hall not quite as big like the hall where people play games not the dealer hall yeah like the hall with all the tables but it's very full like and then next to us there's an empty table with all these bags and stuff that people had like set out on this so they're like so like s- reserving the table reserving the table yeah and and something smelled like i couldn't and, and i kept getting this whiff of it but i didn't know what it was so we're like an hour or not even an hour we were just setting up the game so yeah we were an hour into it because it's like an hour to set up um but then these guys come over and they they take all the stuff out of the bag and they start making sandwiches so what i was smelling was they had like raw onions in this bag and they reeked oh that's a great smell though no it wasn't like the good raw onion oh, smell okay. it was like rancid raw onions Ooh. and they're and so they they come to the table so now there's like suddenly these six you know neck beards sitting next to us and they're and they're making sandwiches at the table and like being real loud and annoying and then they look over at us and they're like oh this guy's that's my favorite game i've played that game over two thousand times we're like oh that's cool and then jason just kind of just trying to make conversation with them because we were like we had just finished round one of the game and he's like oh well you know i played so much so you know like look at my board does it how does it look like i'm doing you know he's just like making conversation and the guy looks at me he's like oh well i'm pretty sure that you're doing it completely wrong How dare you? And like, and I like, we kind of chuckled, and then we realized that he was serious. Like he wasn't making a joke. And then he came over. He's like, in my game, when I'm playing, this much of the board would be full because this whole thing is about you're like filling up this board with these pieces. You know, we're just trying to figure out how to fill it up, just learning the rules of this massive game. And he's like, oh, mine would be much more full. How dare you? We're like, oh. And then Jason's like, well, okay, well, tell me some strategies I should be doing then, because I, you know, I don't know anything about the game. And then like, which was bad because now this guy's hovering over Jason like judging every movie makes. Oh my God. How dare you? 
and then making comments and, and three times Jason's like uh, I could use a little space because literally the guy was like leaning over him <laughs> It just is like, you know, I could use some space. Like he, he said it three times and then he, we were trying to hint to this guy to like go away and he wasn't getting the hint. So they were there until they finished their sandwiches they made for like a half hour <laughs> oh my doing God. this while we were trying to play the game. How dare you? And it was it was so bad that Jason had to get up and leave the table for like 15 minutes. So later they put all their bags back together and like like saved all the seats. And then someone came by and they're like, is anyone sitting here? And Jason's like, no, they just put their stuff there <laughs> to save the table. They're like you could just move their stuff. Nice. So someone just took all their stuff and moved it to the edge and sat down there. Oh, which, that's hilarious. I mean, they totally deserved it for they weren't even playing at the table. Yeah, that's they were right. just saving it to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just happened, though. Somebody's listening to the podcast and they're they're eating a sandwich and they're like that's what happened to our stuff <laughs> right then they're telling stories about those guys that didn't know how to play the game right something i would change for next time jason basically taught every single game we played the whole time which i think like wore him down so we've we've actually made a like a pact that next year we're gonna take turns teaching but the advantage of teaching is you kind of get to select the game so we'll have a pool of games that we all want to play and then who can teach what and then we're gonna take turns like teaching and choosing the game um, yeah, from what i remember though he's good at teaching he's really good which was it made it easy for for us like we probably played more games because he did that but it, it made him kind of always play games that he knew which he he was kind of there to, to play some new games because he's a two um i'm not sure <laughs> i think he's a he's either a one two or a two one but I, yeah. i'd have to ask him i'm not okay. sure but yeah he just he shouldn't have had to do that the whole time yeah. like we should have stepped it up i really wanted to play something i really wanted to do that i didn't i secretly wanted to play D fifth edition whoa, whoa what's up with that well they have it there and they have role playing but we just in clifford and jason probably would they would probably both do it but it, w- it would be higher on Clifford's list than Jason's like he was really there to play board games so I kind of wish I would have maybe snuck away and do- done that for a few hours um, so Tim no comments <laughs> I mean, it's you know, if you want to play an inferior game it's you know totally fine but yeah, Ryan are you going to take that? <laughs> We, I've already won this argument. All right, fun tidbits. Whatever I want to talk about. Um, it felt too short Friday through Sunday. Yeah, it's very short. It's yeah, short. like in the Thursday thing, didn't it didn't really feel like it extended it. It was kind of like we showed up, we got into it, and then it was over. Yeah. It was weird how Friday, it was like, oh, there's so much room here. And then Saturday, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't find a table in this giant hall. Uh, so I think they need to expand the play hall or limit the amount of tickets they're selling. I don't know. Um, the line was huge on the second day. Uh, just give getting to check out games. So at PGG Con, even though there's a ton of people there, they're like moving through the library fast. Like you yeah. never had a line. So anyway, that was my experience at PEX Unplugged. Very nice. Good good review. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our listener's corner. Listener's corner. You're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Find this and other great podcasts at Dicetowernetwork.com. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Listener's Corner. So this is an episode where we will take some listeners' questions and answer them, if we can. This is from Mike of May. I'm wanting to know more about companies' restocking habits. For instance, on a popular game like Blood Rage, what would keep them from restocking? I mean, the only thing that's going to keep a company from restocking is lack of sales, right? I mean, if if the items are moving off the shelf, they will keep restocking them. If the items are not moving off the shelf, then they're going to stop. Yeah, I think this is more of a distribution problem up the chain, not, yeah. the, not the game store. Yeah. I think in most cases, these stores have orders in for these games, and they're they're waiting for them to arrive on the slow 
little bit from China. Right. Well, or, or it's just they're a smaller store and people who move more units get more units. Yeah. So those stores are going to get their games before maybe the smaller stores do. So it's definitely, if, if it is something that's moving off the shelves, it's not them not putting them on the shelves. It's them not being able to get the product. Right. Yep. The next question is from UK, Ukraine Boo. Describe your perfect day of gaming. Where would it be held? How many people? What games would be played and in what order? What would you do for food? What would you do for a midday break to get up and move a little bit? Wow, this this kind of comes down to almost SauceCon. That's what I wrote. Yeah, I mean, I think SauceCon is the ideal for kind of getting away, going up to a different place. What games would there be I and how many people? Well, I mean, I, I think the number of people in that scenario, the more the better. But I mean, would you do big games with everybody or break it up into smaller? Break it up smaller. I definitely yeah. multiple games going with multiple people, different size groups. Some are three people, some are four, four people games. All our standard stuff probably that we'd be bringing, Lords of Waterdeep. What's your mix of brand new games that you've never played versus games you are familiar I, with? I think in that scenario, the less brand new games, probably the better. Amen. I mean, I would go with a couple new ones and then the rest repeats. Yep. And then, you know, pizza is a great thing, easy to do. My perfect day of gaming would be at my house with four people. Mm. No more, no less. Interesting. Games would be played. I think we would pick the favorite game of each person and play them in whatever order we wanted. And that person has to teach the game. Ooh. What if one of the games you hated? I would select the four people I wanted. The three other people. And tell them which game they're going to teach. No, I, I would know <laughs> the games that they like. So that would be part of my Well, selection. then you have to say who the people no, are. No, I don't. Yeah, that's part of the question. No, I didn't say who. He said how many people. Describe your perfect day of gaming involves specific people. I'm not going to call out specific people. Well, I, I think that I, makes your answer invalid then. That's fine. <laughs> For food. I, we should make predictions. I predict it's nobody from our game group. It'd be from your other game group. There's at least... Except for Sarah, you would invite her. There's there's a few people from our game group that could be potentials. A few? Yeah. So at least two? There's potentials. Wait, it doesn't few mean three. Well, and I said... couple means two. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. all three... That's ambiguous. So I'm assuming four. You're one of the four. It's ambiguous. Um, what will we do for food? <laughs> Depends who's invited. I'm dodging your question. No, I get to pick the food. Different people like <laughs> different food. It's my perfect day. Hey, but what if he mods there? It doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. It's my perfect day. I don't care about everyone else's perfect day. This is my perfect day. So your perfect day is to have food that other people want. My eat. perfect day is to have food that is has <laughs> been carefully selected by my wife and cooked for me. And for a midday break, we would go ride the one wheels around. So wait, wouldn't you for want to treat like a like food that might not be as good well, for you? Well, there you go. He's only inviting people who own one wheels. It would be a spring. No, I would have enough one wheels for I everyone. I thought you were wow. done with that after your issue. No. Wow. Okay. It doesn't phase me. It'd be a nice warm, it'd be a spring day. So we'd, we'd ride the one wheel for a break and then come back and, I don't know, play some Mario Kart or something and then go back downstairs. Some milk and cookies. Ooh, yeah. If they're homemade. Only raw milk, Th- though. This sounds like an awful day. It's an amazing I, day. I like Tim's answer way better. <laughs> So that, that's my perfect day of wow. gaming. So if I was part of this group, which I imagine I'm not, I'm going to have to eat food that I don't, might not That like. Esther made? Well, no, you said it's what you want. Yeah, and but, you wouldn't even ask what I know that you want. like food that Esther makes. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move to the next question. <laughs> All right, next question is from News Aiden. Would love to hear a discussion about semi-co-op games. 
specifically Dead of Winter. What is worse, everyone failing or everyone winning but me? Follow-up question, would you burn the colony if only you cannot win? And then would your answer change if you were the traitor and unable to complete your objectives? So what's worse, everyone failing or everyone winning but me? We covered this in a previous episode, and I've learned personally that I would rather help the group win even if I wasn't going to win. And I thought my answer would have been I would rather us all lose if I can't win. But when I was put in the situation, I helped the group win, even though I couldn't. So I'm, it's I'm, an I'm interesting of that question. camp as well. I'm of that camp as well. If I, if I can't make my goal, then I'm still going to try to. If I'm not the traitor, I'm still going to right, try to. But then to your answer help. changes if you're the traitor, right? Well, I'm the traitor, of, of course. course. I want it to fail. Yeah, right. I was going to say, I think your answer does change if you're the traitor. Yeah. So you don't want everyone else to win. No, of course. Of course not. But, but you're also losing is the thing. He's saying you can't complete your other objectives. Right. So if, I, if I'm the traitor, I want nobody to nobody win, to including win. myself. Yeah. Right. That's because interesting, though. Because I'm making it. Because it I'm making, I'm making, my goal is to be the traitor and make their group fail. So if I make their group fail, even though I didn't meet my goals, I feel like I've at least like met you, part of my goal. That's like, the, it's like everyone else succeeding, but you didn't do your personal goal as the non traitor. It's like you did right. half of your goal. Right. But What's interesting right. is in most co op games with a traitor, that is your goal, is right. to prevent them from succeeding. Right. But in Dead of Winter, it's a little different. You can all lose. Right. Yeah. So as the traitor, if you think about it, if the, if everyone else, wins and you don't complete your objectives it's like you filled on both you like things. double yeah. loss it's yeah. a double loss yeah. so that's why it's different yeah interesting I think we figured that out yep. okay Solve. this question's for Ryan <laughs> it's from Booth Star I'd love to listen to a segment on opinion on takeovers of small board game publishers and how that affects the hobby with less players in the industry we will see quality games decrease increase fluctuating prices more or less emphasis on kickstarters games available re- resounding of games etc so this this question is from a while ago um, and we've kind of seen the we've seen this starting to play out now so there's a lot of acquisitions happening uh two or three years ago most of them by asthma in north america they're like this massive company now and almost every all the most popular games are somehow under their umbrella that being said we've not seen any decrease in games being published i would say the over the past two years the overall at least the component and art quality of games has increased everyone is rising to the standards kickstarter games now are usually gorgeous you almost have to be to even compete so it's like what is, what's that saying about the rising tide lifts all boats yeah whatever that saying is like that's happening i feel like so i don't think it's really had a negative impact um i think the only downside would be if for some reason asmodee like won bankrupt we would lose yeah. like half of the best yeah. games that have but that's just it due, due to the size of asmodee it's harder for them to go bankrupt right. if a small company puts out a horrible game that they completely financially got screwed on mm-hmm. that could take the company out something something as big as them they can afford oh that game really hurt us but they've got enough other things in the portfolio that overall it's not really hurting them yeah and i also think i also just from experience a lot of times these games like the company will lose rights at some point and the, the rights will revert back to the designer or some other publisher so even if that happened to asmodee probably these games would eventually be republished by someone else yeah. um so right now i don't see really much negative coming out of it okay the next question is for Ryan also. It's from Devin Ray. Tim, you can chime in on this if you want, but I'm assuming it's for Ryan. I have to admit, I checked out your podcast due to one of the contests and I'm glad I did. Really enjoying it. This podcast will now definitely be in my subscription list. Thank you, by the way. So what would your $1,000 purchase receipt look like? Don't include games that you already have. Wow. I'm assuming that's a Ryan question. Oh, yeah, because I, th- for me, uh, it would have to be any new X-Wing Starship that they put out. And that, that Philip. Yeah. I don't know what else I would get that would be new that I don't already own. A thousand. You need to spend a thousand dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, I'd probably go 
go back and get some of the games that I don't own that I do like. Um, you know, maybe I'd go out and buy like the Architects or you know something like that. The games that I've really enjoyed just to have in my library. You still have to spend nine hundred dollars after that. Oh, X Wing! No, X Wing! I can I can toast an easy five hundred on <laughs> okay. that. Yeah, I got to you know. You're still you probably couldn't even spend a thousand on games. I, I probably and neither would be, could I. I would probably be very hard pressed to spend that. Right. Yeah. So I think if I my one thousand dollar purchase receipt would probably be one or two super deluxe versions of games. So there is, for example, there is a really amazing version of War of the Ring that I think was, I don't even remember how much it was. It was at least $500 with like these amazing painted miniatures, like everything in the game was just out of this world oh, production. Wow. But I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a game. But if for some reason I had like a $1,000 cool stuff gift card that I won. It never said this was free. $1,000. I know. That's what I'm, but I'm saying if I, that would probably be what I would spend it on rather than buying like quantity a ton of ton of other games so quality yeah like a couple of really high quality designer deluxe games okay next question is from tiffany stolk could you talk about various lifestyle games such as lcg ccgs and also games like summoner wars and mage wars well we we could so magic was a major one that we were all into at one point i think you guys more than me so i was in i was in several card games back in the day i did the decipher star wars card game uh did a initial version of Lord of the Rings card game. I can't remember who put that one out. Then we did the newer Lord of the Rings card games when the actual movies came out. Um, so my problem with them so far is Magic's kind of the winner there because there wasn't uh, any kind of intellectual property associated with it. Mm-hmm. My problem with like the Decipher Star Wars game, as soon as Decipher lost the Star Wars license, game died, you know, and that's much more limited environments. You know, you only have the movies and that kind of stuff they can base it off. So the next company comes out with the next Star Wars game repeats all the same stuff in a different format and um, so I, I tend to lean away from intellectual properties when it comes to the card games because I like something that's just not based on anything like that to keep it going yeah I'm, I'm with Tim on that I, I enjoy the CCGs I like games that are an investment like that where you sort of build your unique yeah. portfolio and then you compete with it so um, are you guys familiar with LCGs yeah so it's, you, you basically buy it and that's the the, yeah. the cards so, so it's, it's very so a CCG it's like you get random packs yeah an LCG is you buy it's almost like buying expansions every month yeah but you get everything yeah i never really did the lcgs i was more into the hey i got these cards that you didn't get so it kind of makes my stuff unique and i kind of enjoyed that part of it i think the amount of money you can spend is kind of similar though because these lcgs like fantasy flight they're pumping out expansions for these things yeah right they got to keep them coming out because that's how they're making their money and it's like there's still this whole problem of oh well if i don't get that expansion then i'm not gonna have the best deck because it has these new cards that are super right. powerful right. or whatever. And then Summoner Wars and Mage Wars. So Summoner Wars is like a it's almost like a miniatures battle game with cards. So you play the cards down but they're on this mat and you actually move and attack with them. So it's pretty fun. It, it's it, and there is a deck building thing where you can you can buy like um, these mercenary cards and like like customize your deck a little bit um, or just buy more cards of your faction and, and customize it. And then Mage Wars I, I thought was in, I never played this but I thought it was an interesting idea. There's no mana in the game you just had a book you had like this book with sleeves in it and you put your cards in the book and then you could play any card whenever you wanted so on your turn you just pick the card to play there's no mana problem it's just huh. it's just built your deck on this is what i want to play and i need to play them in this order and this is how i react so is there is there an order that you had to play the cards in so you couldn't play this card as far as i know card? no you just oh. pick a card and play it yeah interesting um so it just removes that whole aspect of it overall these games cost a lot of money and if yes. you're a completionist uh especially uh, would really rpg 
Please be an example of a lifestyle game. Maybe not in, not by this definition. Yeah, not by what they're talking about, I don't think. But I've never heard the term lifestyle game. I, I never heard it until they, they start. It's it's really usually when someone mentions this, they're talking about collectible games. So they're used synonymously. Yeah. So RPG, it's like you buy the book, but you're not continuously buying stuff. You're just playing. You're continuously playing, maybe. Right. So I don't really understand that definition because I, I think if you, if you go outside of the way we use that term, an RPG could be a lifestyle quote-unquote game because it's something you just do all it's the time on, yeah, and it's yeah. ongoing yeah it's ongoing yeah all right next question is by darth maul checking in he somehow survived well well he did that's nothing new technically so what do you mean he did he survived you know getting cut in half in the first movie when did he survive spoilers he, he, he survives that it's like all in the the lore wait 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 yeah i know it's ridiculous but where, he, where did you hear that he survived in the movies he got cut in half he got cut in half it's well, game over apparently that saber just cauterized everything from the waist up so he survives <laughs> Then why didn't he come back in the next movie? Because he couldn't walk. Because he has to like with the because force, like Yoda. Because. <laughs> For whatever reason, one of the best evil-looking characters ever created, they didn't want to do more than one movie with him. For some well, reason. and they wasted him in the worst well, Star Wars yeah. movie Plus, of all he time. He got cut in half. Yeah, yeah, he, so he survives that. <laughs> where if, where if, is he then? If you were cut in half with a flaming sword, Chris, you would survive too. Yeah. Because it, it, it would just, cauterize it, all your wounds. It just cauterizes but, but everything. He never came back, though. How did Leia get blown up on the bridge of a starfighter, survive that to go into space, and then somehow in the where she blackness of space, Space still brings herself back. So she's no one not only survived the explosion, but space. Just some things you just can't answer. I mean, if she could do that, obviously the dark side powers are much stronger. So yeah, he could keep everything intact. All right. Well, here's his question. <laughs> How to keep groups who enjoy playing various games each week interested in finishing campaign-style games like Descent, Pathfinder, Adventure Card Games, etc. Our group, no chance. Yeah. Somewhat related, do you think the new mechanics and elements in legacy games introduced in each session make a game feel fresh enough to keep players coming back to the table to play, essentially, the same game over and over? No, there's many aspects of the campaign style that I really like. It's That's kind of playing the same game over and over, but the little things change. So it's not a lot of change, but the little things change and kind of make it interesting enough that playing it again is still very interesting to me. Doesn't it come down to how good the game is? Like, cause it does. It, tor- it, it, story it, it most definitely does. If the game sucks, uh, uh, no matter how much you change it, it's still going to suck. All right. But that was actually one of the big reasons I really liked Blood Bowls because as you play at each game, your team got better. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, you know, if I started with an orc team and you started with an orc team and Ryan started with an orc team, three or four games in, our teams are digressing in different directions. So they become very different teams. And that becomes very interesting based based on decisions yeah. you make and what happens during the games you play and stuff like that. So that, to me, keeps me coming back to play them more and more. Um, so for me, I love those kind of games. Yeah, for the campaign-style games, I really I don't know if there's really a strategy to keep people interested. The game has to keep them interested. Um, something you could do, though, is try to do some metagaming. Like, outside the game, try to keep people engaged in conversation yes. about it, etc. Strategizing for what you're going to do, if that's even possible. So, kind of like we do in role-playing. Like, when we're not playing, we're constantly talking about it. So, that makes it more interesting when we play. Yeah. If everyone just checked out and just showed up once a month and no one remembered anything, right. I think it would be less interesting. The other thing too is if there's a mechanic or something in the game that everybody hates or a lot of people hate, change it. Who cares? Yeah. This is what the the, the designer of the game said to do, but uh, it's stupid. We hate it. We actually did that with our Decipher uh, Star Wars card game. Your cards were your life in that game. Like in Magic, you had your life separate. Here, the cards were your life. So when you took a lot of damage, you would just flip cards and throw them in the graveyard. Yeah. So 
it became a very spiraling effect is if you started losing, you really started losing. Yeah. So we just changed it. So instead of the cards being your life, we made a separate life, life pool. And then when you took life damage, it came from there. And when that was out, you lost, but you still had your whole deck available. So make tweaks to the game, make custom home, you know, house rules that people enjoy and keep them coming back to. Don't have to stick to what their rules are. Yeah, mm-hmm. good one. Okay. Okay. This one's from Brem77. <clears throat> Topic that I'd like to hear you discuss on the show would be thoughts explaining rules to a game group, reading the rules, reading them ahead of time, how to pull out the main rules, when and how to review exceptions or smaller rules that are important to the game that might not be best to go over in the very beginning. When we were learning a new game, but the rules explanation goes on and on too long. No, I definitely agree that you have to distill the main rules. I mean, you have to come prepared. You have to know the game. You can't read the rule book there and try to do it. It's it's way too painful for everybody. You have to distill the rules down to a level that gets you playing and handle the exceptions when they come up. Yep, I agree. The only downside to that is you've got those people that get to that exception and it doesn't benefit them. And then that's when you get the famous quote, well, you didn't tell me that when you were teaching the rules, which is the most annoying thing to hear as the person explaining the rules. So that can happen. One thing that I've that I've seen some game companies doing is now they're putting two rule books in the, in the box. One of them is literally like the rules distilled to get you playing. So you read through those. It's like all the main concepts to get the game started. And then they have an, like another rule book that's an index. So when you get to something you're not sure what to do, you just look up whatever that oh, action great. is and it tells you all the, the detailed rules. That is by far my favorite way to, to learn a game from a rule book. And that really is just simulating what someone should be doing yeah. when they teach a game in person. That's that's a great thing by that publisher for sure. Because yeah, so that's that's extra work, right? They've now got to do two rule books versus just the one. And Yeah, but it makes it so much easier. Not And it, and it makes it great for if you've played a game before too because you just then you really just need the index. Right. You know, you don't even need to go through everything. You just have the index to look up rules exceptions or whatever. The next question is for Ryan. By Metric Menace, why is it sacrilegious to use a different storage solution for games? Unless you plan to sell, why not make your game storage more efficient? I'm not sure what this person is asking. Unless I, he's think, saying, I think what he's saying is he's taking it out of the game box and putting it into a different storage solution. Yeah. So like a game with a lot of components, you go out and buy a plastic case, move all the components into there <laughs> and stuff, and then you just take the original box and who cares? Throw it out. So I would say the one exception to this being sacrilegious would be something like X-Wing, where you pretty much have to do it because they don't oh, you give you a box. Yeah, you have to do it. But I would say, so to me, the box art is is important to the overall experience of the game. I find the box art to be important. It's kind of like the cover of a book is important. It, it just keeps you interested in that book, which is the reason I actually don't like reading books on Kindle because it's just the text. You lose that You lose that feeling you get when you look at the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. And I think if you lose the cover, the box cover of the game, you're, you're missing out on something that was designed as part of that game experience for the sake of efficiency, which is the exact reason people use Kindles. So yeah, I, I think it's sacrilegious because you're you're cutting out a huge component of that game that was designed for that game experience and you're throwing it in the trash. Okay, yeah, answer. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not anywhere near the <laughs> anal retentives of Ryan with his stuff, but I am in total agreement. I, I couldn't see taking all the components out of the game box and get, I have a hard time sometimes throwing out the dividers that they've included, even though they're god awful. I'm like, this is part of the game box and stuff, but it doesn't function. It doesn't work properly. Mm-hmm. So I have to like tear myself to like take that insert and just get rid of it. But I could never see you getting rid of the game box because it's just on the shelf. It's just, you know, those game boxes pop out at you. So when you're going to look for games, bam. Whereas if I have them in some other storage solution, right. I have to go up and look at a little label. Oh, this is uh, it's like you looking know, through the stuff. card catalog. At the yeah, library. right. Like exactly. you don't do that. You go look at the shelves of books. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I would have a very hard time doing that too. Okay. Next question is from 
from Jimmy DM 90 What would be your dream game based on an IP? What would the mechanics be? Would you like to see, design, or publish it? Forget the last question. So what's your dream game based on an IP? I'm personally shocked that there's no Hunger Games board game. There is. Oh, there it's is. not popular, but there was one. Oh. It was. It did okay. okay. There was a Catching Fire game too. I, I think mine would be uh, Stranger Things. Oh, that's a good one. I would so like do, a, do you got to pick an IP that like doesn't exist currently? Is that the whole idea? No, I think he's saying pick an IP that does exist that doesn't have a game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. That it doesn't IP exist, is, yeah. that hasn't existed into a game yet. Right. So yeah. it's a new IP. But yeah, yeah. Stranger Things is a good one. Yeah, I would love a game that makes you feel like a kid in the 80s and you're doing I actually bought a role playing game that does this but I would I would love to have a board game that somehow made you feel that experience what if they made like a Netflix the game where you're <laughs> You have to hire writers, actors, producers, directors, worker placement and film sites. And then as the game evolves and you're competing, it turns into a world map. You take over the world because you're Netflix. <laughs> Maybe that should be your next game. There, I'd go Matrix then. I'd Did do Matrix. Did you hear they I, might make four? Yeah, I heard that. Really? Yeah, there yeah. might be a Matrix four. Next one is from Gamer Girl. Wait, eight, forget eight, the eight. bonus topic. Yeah, I know. Okay. Between the extreme success, <laughs> Pandemic Legacy, and the excitement of the upcoming Seafall... <laughs> This is uh, an old question. We might have dated this this question. Yeah, we, 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 we maybe see more legacy style campaign games coming out since there's a finite number of sessions you can play these games. And when is it worth the price? So, okay. So here's what I've written down. Imagine two aliens, Kang and Zork from Zeta Reticuli. They come to Earth and attend a Juggalos convention. <laughs> Juggalos? The Juggalos. The entire venue is filled with meth heads and clown makeup, blasting insane clown posse music. That's what the Juggalos do. What would Kang and Zork think? Imagine you're in their head as they see this unfold before them. How would they perceive such an event? That's what this question makes me feel like. The success of Pandemic Legacy. (laughs) It's like I'm watching a bunch of jumping clowns running around doing crystal meth. I had no idea where you were going with that. Oh my god. So you didn't even hear the question. You just got stuck on the first part of the first sentence. Admittedly. Gotcha. Okay. So when is it worth the price? I would say I've played my legacy games more than I've played my other games I've purchased. So so it's worth the price just for that alone, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're playing multiple sessions, so it's you're we're basically doing the repeat plays that we've wanted to do and it's happening. Yep. Well that leads right into the next question from Galkin. There are some great ideas already here. My topic is is there a correct number of times to play a specific game. Many folks are on to the next hotness, one after the other, these number twos. But does that make them more of a hobby gamer than the person that plays three plus games three plus years old more regularly? So in other words, the people who play repetitious games more, are they less of a gamer than the people who play the new game and move on to the next shiny thing? Uh, definitely not. It doesn't matter whether the game's new or old. If you're still playing the games, you're still a gamer. I mean, yeah. agreed. It's I, I, I take the other side on that. I'm just doing think... that just because. I kind of. You're kind of being a Zork. I'm being more of a Kang than a Zork. <laughs> I think that people like Ryan are more true gamers. Like they, they're more heart and soul, lifeblood. They eat, sleep, drink gaming more than people like us. But I don't know if you fit into the person that plays three plus years old games more regularly. I, I do fit into that because that's what I would choose to do if I had the choice. I don't play three plus year old games more because of the group, but that would be my wish. And Tim and I've talked about this playing games we know more. Yeah. But and I do think that you guys would be considered more more true gamers because as you 
you said, the conventions. I mean, do you want to go to the no, I really, yeah. conventions? No, like yeah, yeah. that's yeah. more of the true diehard gamers. I think maybe there's. I'm, I'm not insulted by that. I'm still a gamer. Yeah, but I do think these guys are a little more into it. I think there's maybe another category of people though that they play games a lot, maybe even more than someone like me. But they just choose to play the older Euro games right. or games that they know. But they're still playing a lot. I mean, if and they're you, probably still going to conventions. But too. they're yeah. ones. Yeah, but if you enjoy yeah. playing Axis and Allies and you've been playing it for you know fifteen years, who, who you're still doing it? You're still having fun. Sure, you just don't care about the new hotness. Sure, right. but but to Ryan's point earlier when he said most of the people at conventions are twos, I think most of the people yeah. at BGG Con are twos. That's what I said. Yeah, I think that it would be the same at the other. I feel so. like that particular convention, it feels like, and I could be wrong about this this is just my yeah i just feel like it's a, there's a lot of twos there yeah just but for that convention the one time alone. i was there it didn't feel that way at all because everybody was playing old games there but you there were commenting on games. people sitting in the in the whatever like the the buffet area talking about buffet. oh there's such and such designer. yeah that's true like they're following these designers like they're celebrities and why why would they do that if they don't care about new games good point so i i think that's a big but i think that's the same at all conventions well that's the thing though like pax and plus I think was a completely different crowd. And then Gen Con, I don't even know who's at Gen Con because it's like such a mix. Yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, last right. one, last, last, last one, question. last one. Okay, one more. Atrox 7. Atrox 7, discuss what instantly turns you off to a new game. Instead of new hotness, what puts it on the coldness list for you personally? So I have a list. Uh, I, I, <laughs> my, my one answer to that is the whole dynamic of me figuring out who you are. I don't care. I want to play a game. Social deduction. I, I'm done with social deduction. What about trader game? Trader games I'm okay with as long as it's not social deduction and the rest of the game's there and there just happens to be a trade. So when the whole purpose when the whole purpose is to figure out roles, I hate it. That's or I want it instantly cold. Yeah, instantly you. cold for me. So let me do mine because yeah, I think your ahead. list is going to be better. <laughs> so so for me, I for me it's when there's something if there's something that seems like a really stupid design decision that like within five minutes the people at the table have figured out a better way to do something. It's like the game wasn't developed enough. So you start playing it and then it's like why do they do that? It's it's just dumb. Like they should do this instead. For example, using your cards as life yeah. sounds like a really dumb decision because yeah. it's like all the cards that you have and you want to play in your hands like oh I'm just dumping them into the bin so you're you're like it just sounds horrible yeah so something like that some really bad design decision that you can just tell the game wasn't developed then you're out I'm out yeah is that it no there's probably other things but I want to hear your list okay so <laughs> here's my list of things that turn a game cold right. and this is from bad to worse so we're going to start it with the least bad and okay, progressively then get, get to worse the, uh, the number one I can't stand it yeah so Co-op games without a trader to me. I, I get a little cold with that. It's It's got to be, I, I don't know. I'm probably not going to enjoy it. What if you're not the trader? I, I still enjoy it because you get to figure out who it is. Okay. And you work together for a common goal. Uh, tableau building where everyone is in their own silo. Yep. It's getting a little cold. If there's only one way to win. See, we're getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. there are games that are only one way to win, I'm out. When co-op games are micromanaged by the best player. Is that the same as the other co-op? No. Player? No, the other one is co-op games without a trader. Okay. Uh, the next one, when a game is 90% luck and people take it seriously. <laughs> but that's the gaming group, right? But that I'm out. I, I don't want to play the game anymore. Okay, so yeah. So if, if there's a, the game there's a completely cold. luck game and someone's actually trying to take it seriously, yes. then you're out. And we have examples of that. Yes. Okay. But games like Cult Express, which we like to bring up, I'm fine with it because everybody knows it's sort of silly and fun. Camel yeah, Up and Ghost is, is broken. Up is another one. People, people don't have, are just having fun with it. But when you, when you have a game that's mostly luck and then people are like, <laughs> taking it seriously and 
they're twisting their mustache and coming out with a good plan. That makes me crazy. Okay. And last and least, the thing that makes games cold instantly for me, AP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that any, any sort of over-analysis, I'm, I'm, I, that's it. Pack the bags, you're out. I'm out. I'm curious, Chris, would you rather play a game with a lot of AP with like your favorite people to play games with or a game with a let's let's think of a good or. So the people are good, but the game has a lot of AP. That's option one. I'm, I'm Just thinking a, of a, your a, list. A game, uh, basically someone who is rule mongering and trying to run the game, but is going turns are going quickly. Yeah. So you're, you're the AP is worse. Annoying people, but the game is fast. Yeah, or I would rather the annoying people. people. In the game is I would rather the annoying people. I'm okay. it's completely. Well, now it's not. It's not like ten minutes fast. It's like an hour fast. But the turns are going quickly. But the game's still an hour, and you're sitting with annoying people the whole time. Yeah, like they're leaning okay, over versus I'm um, with people that I, like my friends. Yeah, you're yeah. with your group. But of you really, guys are aping. Let's yeah, say. it's just yeah. taking. No, all that's, time worse. Side, so. that's worse. That's worse. That's oh, worse. So yeah. you'd rather like smelly neckbeard sandwich guy. You have three of those at the table. No, I don't. I don't like that. And you're all. you're playing. I don't know. You're playing Century, but it's going fast. It's going fast. No, because no, I would do that because then i could try to win and i'm motivated and while you're taking your turns they're interrupting you because you're not doing it right but we're going quickly yeah but yeah. they're like wait, wait, wait. That, but then they're slowing the game down <laughs> yeah that's an important <laughs> part but the game's inherently if fast. they're interrupting me okay so they're not interrupting you but while you're taking your turn that's okay they're making sandwiches <laughs> the sandwiches is it slowing down their the turn sandwiches reek is it slowing down their turn? No. That's okay, then. And, and while you're taking your turn, they're reading, like, Hillary Clinton's biography and commenting about how amazing of a woman she is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You might, have, you might have rung my bell with that one. I really it's do. It's funny how it. hard this is for you to decide. That, that shows how much you really hate it. It's interesting. You, your your uh, example is, is good, though. I think that might be a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! I don't think oh, I could choose God. to play games with the smelly sandwich people. I, wow. It would be a t- it would be like a coin flip. Uh, and one I thought of too is like like a lot of rules exceptions that drives me crazy. Rules mm. exceptions would suck. Yeah. Like oh, here's the rules, but in this scenario you do this, in this scenario you do yeah. this. You know that it makes it hard one to remember, and then you're constantly going through the rule book when you play yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's that's starting to be a big turnoff for me. Why did they choose to use six siders when clearly four? Ciders would be better. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that That's a up. wrap. That wraps right. up episode 55. Good stuff. Good questions. Yep. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Bloopers. Visit us on our website at outofgamepodcast.com. Join our BGG Guild 1990. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Stitcher at OOG Podcast. Send us an email at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 40OOG80. For great games and amazing prices, shop at coolstuffinc.com. For more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Good night. Should I turn off the heater? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's loud. That'll drive Ryan crazy. Popcorn in my teeth. <laughs> Is that gonna bother you when we're talking? 
We need to bring a base camp. Base camp. Like, um, docks and foils. What voice is that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> should do the whole podcast now. Oh, my God. <laughs> the heater is spinning down. We may begin. The heat is off. What? I, I don't understand this heater you have. No? Yeah, so Chris's heater, you turn it off, and then it waits like five minutes, and then it turns well, it's off. It's blowing out the last gusts. It takes a while for the furnace to register that the thermostat went down in temperature and it should shut off. Why? The heater already turned off. Why is the blower on? Because there's warm air in the heater, and it's like, because it's still blowing hot air, even though the heater's off. Well, I think there's I a know. lot of hot air blowing Which right Which doesn't now. sound right to me. The heater's off, but it's still blowing hot air. The heater's off, the blower's Name another, off. Are there, can you think of any other device where you turn it off? And then it stays on yes, for five minutes. The air conditioner. <laughs> no, but he, is, Ryan would make Nathan ride Ryan's one wheel. Oh, Wait, maybe. Nathan could ride his unicycle. You sure? I mean, it's, that wouldn't uh, take down the gang's uh, rep know. status. Well, I mean, we'll look less cool, <laughs> but it's okay. He's still allowed in the, okay. in the group. How dare you?